0: So, my name is Jacob Wishoff, and I'm an elder here at the Refuge Church. Some of you guys might know me, or my wife, Susanna, which I've been married to for about eight years now. And we have two beautiful daughters, Scarlett and Sydney, who refer to me as Big Peanut, which is Scarlett's nickname. And then Sydney's nickname for me, Big Bear. So, I kind of like to believe that they see me as this, like, real tough guy you know, muscular daddy type. But uh, I also believe that I have to hold to honesty in Christ, so I'm going to let you guys sort that out for yourselves, not not me. So um, I originally hail from upstate New York. I am not a city slicker like you guys probably think that I am. I'm actually a simple country boy that is passionate about his roots and chicken wings, music, and a ton of sports. Um, but I apologize in advance. Let's go Buffalo. And so um, I've dreamed of being a pastor since I've been a believer, since I've known Jesus. And the and the uh, the great part is is that I get to come up here today and share. Um, the word of God and what it means to invite the city into the kingdom of God with you guys and the fact that you guys saw me qualified as an elder and you've allowed me to do that is an extreme honor and I'm thankful for that. Um, growing up, I, I experienced a lot of different uh, experiences growing up and I was a part of many different churches that varied in size and shape and denominational background. So while I Going there, the foundational truths of each of those churches might have been similar and it might have been spoken similar, but we would find out later that two words might mean entirely different things. So while I understood it in one context, I might not at the other place that I eventually went to two years later and then it was kind of this confusing hodgepodge of what do I actually believe? And what we want as a church and as a church body is for you guys to walk out understanding our mission statement and what that is and to be able to live that out through our theological vision. So for the past several weeks we've been going through a sermon series titled The Way We See the World and really what that is is how we view our mission and how we see that being played out in the theological vision among our own lives individually, but then also as a community together, representing the Refuge Church. And our mission statement is, Christ Healing Community. And we play that out by our theological vision, which is that we are a church of the city, um, incarnating King Jesus in city life speaking its languages, or language, sorry, (laughs) singing its rhythms, sharing spaces, freeing the oppressed, fighting injustice, finding people of peace, and inviting the city into the kingdom of God. And today we're actually looking at what it means to be a church that is inviting the city into the kingdom of God. And I I just want to point out three things that were said last week. In the sermon we were talking about finding people of peace because I think that the ideas that I have really hinge or piggyback off of the thoughts that were expressed and that was that people are waiting to hear about Jesus. There are people in our community that are longing to hear about the message that we have already received. Spoken in their language. They are ready and they are, they are waiting for someone to come and share that. And God has prepared the hearts of those individuals already in advance to be able to accept that and to hear that message and to say yes to the kingdom of peace. And that every person that accepts that message of peace will create a community that also will become a hub of peace that will create other Places of peace, communities of peace that will eventually continue that so that many different communities and many different cities and many different people are hearing about the word of God and Jesus and who that really is and why that's important for the life that they have. Um, So if this is in fact true that people are waiting to hear and that hearts are already being prepared and that these open doors are leading to communities of peace, I really... I think we have to get an understanding of what the kingdom of god is and i'm going to echo the sermon series that we went through a few months back these are not my own words i do agree with them and i believe firmly that this explains it to the best of the ability and if you guys go back you want to hear it there's just a great uh explanation of what it is and, and how that plays out in your life and i encourage anyone here to actually listen to it um so what is the kingdom of God? And the kingdom of God is expansive. It is huge. It is, it is a big kingdom. This is not just a small thing that's limited to what we see in front of us. It is not limited to the everyday experiences we have. It is much bigger. It is outside the world we live in. It is, it is uh, this everlasting place that has no start time. And it has no end time. It has always been. It is a everlasting forever kingdom. And while many kingdoms have existed. And many rulers have had uh, different reigns and eras on earth. They all have come to an end. Whether that is through war or famine or disease. But there is a start time and a finish time. Whereas the kingdom of God does not have that. It is... It was, it is, and it always will be. It is ongoing. And this kingdom, this huge kingdom, is a kingdom where God is, Jesus is the king of this kingdom. So our position in the kingdom of God is that he has created us, and not only has he created us to be a part of that, he has created us not merely as a spectator, but someone that takes part in this kingdom living, in our communities, and in our world. But not just to watch, but to actually rule alongside Him and reign with Him. We are His, and He has created us to convey the goodness and greatness of God to the rest of the world and spread that same goodness and greatness to other people that they may experience that and then in turn share that with others. So today when we look at the word together, together, let us look with the idea that we were created with a purpose and that we were created and chosen by God to invite our city and the people of our city into the kingdom of God. So people are longing to hear the message. God has gone ahead of us and prepared the hearts of some to receive him and every community or every person of peace that we find becomes an open door to the community, to the kingdom of peace. So the question that I want to ask you today is do we believe that this kingdom is great, and how do we invite people into this great kingdom? Can everyone open up to Acts two twenty-two through forty-one? And before before we read that, I just want to share um, a story that I believe is really pertinent to how i view and how how i believe that this this actually plays itself out um i'm a part of a, a community outside of here that is kind of a, a smaller um community inside of the city of bremerton and it's full of different people of all different sorts and um they exist not far from here, but it is a community and a community of itself, where there are people and there are thoughts and there are, there are different um, ideologies and different things that all these people believe. But I believe that God, as I'm a concert promoter in Kitsap, Washington, in Kitsap County, Washington, um, I believe that God has placed me in the life of these people, these different people with all these different views, that I would be able to share with them the same hope that I have, that same peace that I have found, that they would see that and create communities of peace among that community. So I guess like what I said was kind of confusing, but I don't want you to be confused because the people that I'm talking about that I work with are not church-attending people. They are people who are very much so in word action and the way they speak opposed to God, and they, they will tell you they are, many of them. But I believe that that God has placed me there to build relationships and to relate to them and become um, a real avenue of peace where we can eventually speak about this kingdom of peace and that they would hear it maybe for the first time and it would create just this, this bigger community that, that is sharing that same peace. Um, so let's read acts 222 through 41 together fellow israelites listen to this jesus of nazareth was a man accredited by god to you by miracles wonders and signs which god did among you through him as you yourselves know My body, will, my body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day, but he was a prophet and he knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call with many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them save yourselves from this corrupt generation those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day so as I read this passage, I actually see it almost cut in half as like a cause and effect relationship, because I see um, just how the one and the truth of the first side verses uh, twenty-two through thirty-six are are telling us the message that Peter's proclaiming to them, and that too, we see the response. As a result of what he is telling them and what he believes in regard to what he's telling them. Um, what has happened at this time in history is that we have seen this major Holy Spirit event that has happened, and we're talking about Pentecost, which at this point there are many diverse and different people within the city that speak all sorts of different languages. And when the Holy Spirit came upon the city, they actually could understand clearly what was being said to them by God in hopes that they could hear that same message that we're hoping to convey to other people. And while this was happening, this amazing thing, this was 50 days after Jesus Christ had been put to death and not only was this 50 days after he was put to death; it was in the same spot that he was put to death. So these these people that Peter ends up talking to are not strangers to the story of Jesus, as the as the verses say in uh, the first part of the passage. It's talking about how and you know this, and you saw this, and you experienced this, and this Jesus who who. Peter is talking about was very real to the culture that he was talking to as they had spent time with him and he was a real figure kind of like you're looking at me right now they saw his miracles they experienced it in their life they saw, they saw this around them happening but yet he was still put to death so it's amazing to think that when Peter's talking to these people he's talking to a group that he's invested in he knew these people He had spent time with these people, and what he was doing was pointing out to them that Jesus, the one that they had still killed, that Jesus that was killed, is actually the king and that he's come. And God validated that through all these miracles and signs that Jesus performed in front of their eyes. So it was a little harder for them to cover this up or to ignore that that it actually happened. So there was proof that these things were seen by these people. And as a matter of fact, these people that were there were more than likely the same people that were asking and begging and demanding that Jesus be crucified. So this wasn't Peter walking into this nearby convenience store. This wasn't Peter walking up to somebody and saying, hey, you know, uh, Jesus is God and he did miracles and wonders. And then and then somebody just was like, oh, uh, yeah, okay." Um, so I don't even know who Jesus is. There's no context for this. Hey, like kind of weird. I think I'm going to go that way. And really, that's not what this is, because they experienced it. They had seen it. They had heard it. Um, This was very real to them. And so Peter was saying, Jesus was with us. Many of you saw him. You saw his power. You saw the nature of his miracles. This is the same Jesus that healed people that were sick. He raised people from the dead. He turned water into wine. He made food appear when there wasn't any to share. And he gave sight to the blind and gave people value back when they felt that they were valueless. He was... But not only did Jesus do those things, and not only was that his life, but you actually put him to death. And you guys were the ones that did that. Uh, So this story is absolutely amazing. These were the people of the city that were opposed to Jesus. They wanted nothing to do with him, and they proved that ultimately by putting him to death. But here, 50 days later, the people of Israel see this miraculous working of the Holy Spirit poured out and people could hear the message of God clear as day in their own language and while these people the people that thought it was weird and couldn't understand what was taking place started to kind of laugh it off as like these men are drunk or something weird's going on it's it's not what you think it is Peter's like yeah because what we're seeing is we literally see that Peter here is living out the theological vision Hold on. But here's Peter, and he wants to make sure that the credit goes to who it's deserved. He wants to make sure that while these men are saying these things and they're objecting and they're, and they're saying it wasn't what it was, he wants them to know, yeah, this was Jesus' spirit being poured out, and these are, these are people that are hearing the message for the first time, and this is the message. So we are literally seeing the theological vision of the Refuge Church, I believe, being played out in Bible times. Uh, Peter enters this city, and he's become very much so a part of that city. It was a diverse city. Many people of different languages, and he realized that. He knew his audience. Um, There were more than one people group that were represented here, as you saw earlier in the chapter, if you were to look at that. And so Peter is entering, and in a very Jesus-like fashion, um, he's incarnating King Jesus in the city life. He's going in and he's, he's saying um, with the same passion that Jesus came in and he, and he met the woman at the well or, or that when he approached Zacchaeus in the same fashion, he is using um, that to engage the people that had killed Jesus. Speaking, of, speaking the language of the city, he brings them through tradition and then reminds them of David something that they had already known about, their great king. And David was a hero, okay? If you look up the timeline of David's life, you're going to see many amazing things that actually took place. Like David was the giant killer. He was God's chosen king. He was a successor to Saul. He um, was a conqueror, a mighty warrior. So this wasn't just an average king. This was a great king. This is a great worldly king. And he brought them up speaking... He brought him up speaking that language. Peter was very present in the city and he was giving an invitation to that city, sharing their spaces. He was invested and he was building relationships. He understood their culture. He knew his audience and he actually spent time with them. So by understanding this history, we now come face to face with the realization that this wasn't an easy task. But what is it about what Peter what we see in Peter that made the people of Israel not only hear his words, but also accept the invitation that he offered. And I think the first thing is, is that Peter was revealing that the kingdom was an unconquerable kingdom. That Jesus and his kingdom are incorruptible and he is an unconquerable king. Jesus cannot be destroyed. So while we think of finality being death, Jesus overcame and conquered death Peter is saying that although you people put him to death, the grave could not hold him because he is the greatest king that has ever come. And he was dead. There was, not a, there was not a, well, he must have been moved by grave robbers experience. There wasn't this, he must have been sleeping. He was dead. They had acknowledged that he had died. But the death that he experienced, although it has a very human permanence, could not hold him. Because this kingdom is an earthly or human kingdom. Isaiah. So the kingdom is not merely an earthly kingdom. Earthly powers cannot destroy the kingdom. It is impossible for men to disrupt the plan of God. So Isaiah 14.27 says. For the Lord Almighty has purposed. And who can thwart him? His hand is stretched out. And who can turn it back? The kingdom of God is an unconquerable kingdom. And they cannot... People cannot destroy what God has created. The second thing I think Peter is revealing here is that Jesus has always been king. And how I think he's doing that is by bringing in David the tradition, the culture, and the language of that city, he was talking to them about, you know, even David acknowledged Jesus' reign. Um, Jesus didn't become king, like I said earlier. There was not a space and time or, or a time when Jesus wasn't king. Jesus was always there from the beginning. There was was no start time. He has always been. There is no ending. He always will be. Just because his earthly existence wasn't here on earth, he still existed. He wasn't born into that role of king, and he did not earn it. He just was, and is, and always will be. So in speaking the language of the city, Peter references perhaps the great earthly king David, But Peter speaking the word of God that the people of Israel already knew because they knew what David had said. That was a part of their history. That was a part of the story of their lives. They knew about David. They knew what David did. They knew how David spoke of God. And so he reminds them, here's David. I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. And then again a few verses later, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Here is the greatest king at this time the earth has ever seen acknowledging that Jesus is the greatest king with the unconquerable kingdom that has ever been. Right? So I guess my question for you is, do we, do we believe that we serve the greatest kingdom, or that we are a part of the greatest kingdom that has ever existed? Do we believe that the king that we claim is our king is the greatest king that has ever been and ever will be? If so, I, I truly believe that this is going to call us into action, the way that we think about these two things, that we believe that the kingdom of God is this unconquerable kingdom. We already know the ending. We know, we know that this kingdom doesn't end. Okay, This kingdom that we're a part of, it cannot be thwarted. It cannot be stopped. It cannot. So that should drive us in realizing that that's a pretty amazing kingdom. And not only is that an amazing kingdom, but God is an amazing king. and be, Jesus is an amazing king, I'm sorry. And because of that, It should really spur us into our community saying, man, I need other people to experience this. And the third thing that Peter was revealing ultimately was that Jesus was inviting those who people might believe are beyond hope into this kingdom that he is the king of. Think about it this way these weren't innocent bystander people that were talking, that were being talked to by Peter. These weren't people that just happenstance showed up. Okay, they were guilty. They killed Jesus. He's talking to a group of people that were opposed to God. This wasn't an easy task. This is 50 days after this very real experience of Jesus dying and resurrecting has happened. And he finds himself in front of these people and he's sharing this because he believes. He believes that God is the greatest king that has ever existed. And he believes that the kingdom that he represents is unconquerable. So the fear that you might have as a human. Or I might have as a human. Is no longer there. Because we're not afraid. We win. We've won. Jesus won. Right? Jesus won. So we win. And so that should, that should make us excited. Guys, we're going to live out our whole lives. And there's going to be a lot of weird stuff that's going to happen to us. But we win. We win. Jesus won it for us. We win. Does that, is that amazing? Like, I think about that, and I'm just like, if that doesn't make me want to tell everybody about it, you can win too. As part of the most greatest kingdom that has ever existed. As part of the unconquerable kingdom. I think, like, I want everybody to know about that. Right? So here's Jesus. So here's, So here is Peter revealing Jesus to these people. A very real experience because I bet you at this point after hearing all this stuff and knowing for 50 years and now all of a sudden something's becoming real in their heart that the message they're hearing is starting to impact the way they see or think about the world they're like wait what? And this is not new news. They saw this. They saw it play out in front of them. So why was it that it took that much time for them to hear it? And I think that this relates almost like the ministry we do here at the Coffee Oasis because a lot of times me and my wife will talk about how um, she's like, I really don't know what to talk about tonight because I feel that every topic that we talk about has been done a million times. But that's the truth because the topic hasn't changed because the need hasn't changed and the need is Jesus Christ. And that, and we continue to go out because we're sure of how great that kingdom is. We are sure that Jesus is the greatest king that ever existed and we want everyone that hears that message to have a chance to receive that invitation and then eventually go out and give that invitation to someone else because we don't want to see people separated from god that breaks our heart right and and i and it it just really just grabs me because i'm like man i just want you to experience this it's like my dad i mean i talked to him on the phone and i'm like and he's just so hollow because he doesn't understand the love and joy of my life. And he can't grasp it. But I know it's because God hasn't prepared his heart yet. And so instead of giving up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue calling him. And I'm going to continue offering it because I want him to know. My dad hasn't killed Jesus. He's opposed him, but he hasn't killed him. And if that invitation can go to somebody who killed Jesus, then that invitation can go to anybody because there's not something that you can do that's, that's bad enough that's going to stop you from being able, that, that, to stop you from being able to accept the invitation. right? God's alive, and He is the greatest king, and He is from the greatest kingdom, and, and we're a part of that kingdom, and that should get us excited, because we know that when we say things, we're saying it with power because Jesus is a God of power. right? Because He lives. Because he lives and his spirit lives in us, we have the power to share that. That's amazing. So do we believe that this morning? That's, that's what I'm asking you. Do we believe that the kingdom is this really great kingdom? And do we believe that we're a part of that? And do we believe that it's open to anyone without limitation, that anyone that can hear it and respond to it, it's for them too? You know? I just want to pray with you guys. And uh, I, I really hope that when we leave here, we think about the communities that we're a part of. And we think about all the different people in our lives that that God might have placed there. And like, what is it in our relationship that we can use or we can we can start to build this this conversation about Jesus? Because we want them to hear the invitation. And I know you guys are probably like me, where I'm like, I've talked to my dad about Jesus like a million times and he still hasn't heard it. But I want you guys to know it's because Their heart's not prepared yet. And when we pray, we should be praying, God, prepare their hearts so that when they hear you, they can respond to that and that they're not stuck where they're at, that they're not just dead. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you uh, so much for this morning and I thank you, God, that we were able to uh, talk about your word and I pray that we would become confident like Peter was and we would share you and we would be excited about sharing you and... God, that, that would be the song of our heart. God, that we would be a people of this city and, and we would just uh, create residents here. We would invest and know the people around us and that we would invite them, God, into this great kingdom to belong to the greatest king that has ever existed. I thank you, Father. Amen.